If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. Hi, my name is Tammy. I'm here with Paul Allred today. He's the new alternate planning commissioner for Kaysville City. He was just appointed last council meeting. We were really blessed with a bunch of applicants, very qualified people. It was fantastic. And Paul rose to the top quite quickly because of his experience. And I'm going to let him introduce himself to you. If you'll go ahead and do that, Paul. Yeah. Um, I've been a Kaysville resident. I'm in my 25th year there. Uh, I recently retired as an urban planner, city planner uh, from the city of Holiday. Uh, I've been in city government since 1987 with a short break in there. I had a period where I was unemployed. Um, but other than that, I've had a very interesting uh, career. Were you with Holiday the whole time? No, I was with Holiday for about 16 years. Oh, okay. So about half my career. I had about 34 years overall where I was doing various things. Most of that was in uh, working for city government. Uh, I worked two years, two and a half years for a nonprofit downtown in the oh. city and county building where I was an advocate for residents with um, the administration. So I actually wasn't a city employee, but by all intents and purposes, I was. Okay. I had an office in the mayor's. I, I literally had workspace in the mayor's office. Oh, that's So great. it was kind of interesting. Yeah, it was a very interesting experiment. So, so kind of as a, um, you said an advocate, just sort of a sounding board or a? Kind of a liaison. Oh, okay. I was a liaison for the community council. So Salt Lake City has a community council system, a recognized community council system. And I was hired to be staff for their, their, the board, the executive board, and then for residents to call. And, and I would attend community council meetings and then report to city staff and say, here are some concerns that are being. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. It was very, very interesting work. Yeah. And so uh, for a big city like that, I would go to countless community council meetings, get to know their leaders, what the issues were. And then if the city council and planning commission were having meetings on those issues, I would be. Um, authorized to kind of go and convey the, the concerns oh, and okay. so it was very interesting to be kind of working for residents with yeah. the city but yet at the same time i needed to have a uh, i needed to have a good relationship with uh, city employees and, and yes. the administration so it was very very good for uh, uh, learning to be very diplomatic, diplomatic exactly. <laughs> well you were telling me um offline about holiday i always thought holiday was a really big city because yeah. I'm not familiar with Holiday. I've never lived there. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit how similar it is in terms of comparisons to Kaysville? And it actually has a lot of similarities in that um, it's about the same population. It's it's a little more compact, I think, than Kaysville. But Holiday has an enormous amount of uh, large lot residential development, stuff that we really don't have here in Kaysville. So in Kaysville, you know, we have a lot of half acre development and larger lot development west of the freeway. Well, in the, in the heart of Holiday, you know, south of 4500 South, you have a huge green belt. Yeah. Um, it's like a heat sink. It, everything's green. There's streams, creeks that run through there, a lot of wells. And you have a lot of old, kind of have old money. 
Um, mm -hmm. Used to have hunting lodges down there. I saw a hunting lodge from the 1890s. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, and so you have very, very large estate kind of development. Okay. And so you'll have two, eight, two acre, eight acre, five acre parcels. And, it's, oh. and then everything around it's kind of more dense. Oh, okay. And so it's a very interesting community. That is very interesting. Yeah, I was just thought Holiday was really huge, and it was just part of Salt Lake. And yeah, it, it's great that it's similar. And the, and your time spent in Holiday will be really helpful to us in Kaysville. One thing I was really excited about when you applied is just that you bring urban planning experience as a profession to Planning Commission. I served on Planning Commission a long time ago, and then circled back to it. And I wanted to do it because I was doing development lending, commercial oh. lending. And so I got to see it from the banking side yeah. and thought it would be kind of fun to be involved with Kaysville's development and growth. And But I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, there was, I learned yeah. so much. And so it's yeah. really nice that you're able to bring your experience to Kaysville. Tell me why then, or tell us why you're interested in planning commission. Well, I think it was because you're retired, right? You're retired. Yeah, what you've done. Uh, yeah. I don't want to completely check out a life. I'm the first. I've only been retired a few months, but yeah. uh, it's been a real. Um, it's been a good cooling off period for me. I, 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 to be frank, I kind of burned out of city government after so many years, and Imagine. the nature of what I did uh, working for cities was very volatile. It's there's it a lot of conflict associated with it. There's a lot of emotion. Um, unlike some other professions or some other, um, you know, things that city government does, I'm dealing with high profile and also with people who, who people want to do things with their property. And so when you're the rule enforcer, maybe not the rule maker, you help with the legislative side of it. But when you have to enforce on people and tell people, no, it can be very, um, it can be very hard over a period of time. And I used to do code enforcement. When I started my oh, career. Yeah. That's even harder, isn't it? Yeah, code yeah. enforcement is high conflict, and you don't have a necessarily a badge or a gun. <laughs> right, and you so, can't you, protect yourself at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, and I got assaulted, yeah. Did you really? Oh, yeah, I had a hunting rifle pulled on me. Uh, You're loaded hunting rifle, yeah. I was out enforcing, um, and uh, it, was very, it was very scary. So wow. kind of one of the things that came out of that was um, – I was able to start the state or the statewide code enforcement association. It's called UOCA, and it's still going after all these years. We started in 1988 or 89. Me and uh, Ken Jones, who was the um, he was with Salt Lake County Planning. Really? Yeah. And so, what does it do? Basically, provide support for code enforcement officers <laughs> really? because okay. cities cities some cities have it under their building department. Some uh -huh. people some uh, cities have it under their police department. Uh, but a lot of code enforcement officers are part of the planning department, and they go out and they enforce codes like, you know, your weedy yard, or you're running yeah. an illegal business, or mm -hmm. too many too many animals, right. uh, you're parking the wrong place, you're not keeping your property up, those kinds of things. And code enforcement is a great way to understand human nature. Oh, I bet. Um, but they just don't have the resources that, that other departments do. So it was a way of just saying, hey, we've got a very difficult job out here, and it was a way for code enforcement officers to compare notes and share, oh, that's you know, how to do things. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, in Utah, we lost a code enforcement officer not too long ago in the West Valley. Someone. Oh, she was murdered. Yeah. She was murdered. Yes. For doing her job? Yeah. Kidding? It was in the news. Yeah. West Valley. Oh, I didn't, I yeah. She that. was ambushed and, that's and horrible. Killed. Yeah. And this happens all over the country. So code enforcement is a, wow. it's a key that's... component for cities to maintain how well they look and feel. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But there's really no, 
there's no so there's no school you go to there's no university right exactly you get hired to do it and they yeah. say this is your job good yeah. luck i came out of school i was in the middle of my master's program oh, during gosh. finals wow. and sandy city said we need a code enforcement and i thought well all right i'll give it a shot so you've done code enforcement you've done urban planning so as a planner for holiday can you kind of tell us your role from staff from a staff perspective yeah holiday um I went and I, I arrived there in 2005, and the city had incorporated at the end of 99. So the city was only, you know, five years old. And they'd had um, three or four uh, directors before me. Oh, so, five years? Yes. Really? So they were really churning that yeah. position over. Uh, because the city really didn't know what, you know, they had just incorporated. They didn't and they, really know what they wanted. They weren't, they weren't 100% certain of what they wanted to do, except they wanted to maintain their identity, which is what every city wants to do. They yeah. want to keep things kind of the way they've been. Right. But when I got there, I think it was a really good fit because I had the same philosophies that they did about mixed-use development, about uh, enhancing and creating a sense of place. Holiday had a very strong vision about they wanted to create a real strong sense of place. Mm -hmm. And they had this old intersection, you know, in downtown Holiday, uh, which is now called the Village. And it was in their general plan that they wanted to recreate and and have this sense of unity in this sense of place. So they did some absolutely amazing things. And so it was really, I think, a, a good fit, you know, when I got that job, because in Centerville, we had tried to create a, a downtown, an urban downtown, and um, it didn't go over well. But we got grants from Mission Utah and from the Quality Growth Commission, and, oh. and we brought in you know, some outstanding planners from the Bay Area, and they laid out a really great vision where the Walmart is in, in oh, Centerville. Okay. Yeah, so from Parish Lane clear down to Porter Lane, there was gonna mm -hmm. be this urban village kind of place, and it would have been really, really cool. It would have been the first one in Utah. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, didn't, it didn't happen, but in Holiday, when I was hired there uh, a couple years later, um, they had already said that this is something they wanted to do. So really my job there was to try to help implement the vision, create ordinances, create plans, right. and then to help massage developments that came in to make sure that it complied with the vision. Mm -hmm. And then as that vision evolved a little bit, you know, yeah. um, we struggled with things. So That would be, so, and that excites me too. So, you know, in Kaysville, we've got a strong sense of who we are. We want to kind of stay the same, but we realize growth is going to be kind of a natural thing that will happen. But we want to make sure that Main Street is vibrant. We want to support businesses. I mean, that's really what I'd like to see happen in Kaysville yeah. so that we've got a really strong Main Street plan. And we, we just hired a community development director, Melinda Greenwood, which you know and you've yes. worked with. Yes. I'm so excited to have her. She's really great. She's fantastic. She has a lot of experience with redevelopment funds and yeah. um, how that works. And so that's the thing that I was really excited about when I found out she brought she brought that experience to us. So it's, it's a big deal to us because we want to maintain our sense of identity, but we also want to be able to respect the rights of property owners and and create a vision for the city. And we don't have a lot of land left to do huh. that with. So um, I was excited that you wanted to be on planning commission. You've, you've worked as staff for many years, so you understand I guess what I'd kind of like you to tell us is the differences in the role. Like as staff, what you could say, what you could do as planning commission, or as a planning commissioner, what you think that you'll be able to do. Yeah, as staff, uh, your role is to provide information for others to make decisions. And so as, as staff, you don't have a vote. Yeah. I don't have a vote on the planning commission, didn't have a vote on the council. And so one of the real difficult things as staff is to 
um, to be patient. And as the planning commission and council may make decisions again and again and again mm -hmm. that go contrary to your recommendation. Um, because, you know, my philosophy has always been that as a, as a staff person, as a planner, you need to tell the planning commission and council what the right decision is. You need to make a recommendation based on plans, based on good planning, based on the latest information, mm -hmm. based on what's going on. And um, there's an inherent conflict between staff and planning commission and council because staff has a completely different point of view, mm -hmm. or they should. Okay. <laughs> the staff should always be looking far down the road. That's what planners do. Yeah. When you the word plan means you know looking forward, you're planning for the future. But often what planning commissions and councils do is they're concerned about today. Yes. They're concerned about the people who are in front of them today saying no change because that's the inherent nature right. of politics. city government. Yeah. And so um, part of the reason I retired and it burned out, mm -hmm. uh, frankly, was because there were so many easy decisions that were being kicked down the road. The can was being kicked down the road. Okay. And so I was like, you know, if, if we can't make a simple decision to divide a you know, an, an acre into three third, three one third acre lots. Right. How then how, how, you know, we've got a crisis of housing. We've got a, a crisis of not enough housing in our state. We have these huge things. And if we if we're just so beholden to the way we've always done things right. as staff, you tend you can you can tend to get to where you go. Well, OK, um, this isn't working. I see. You know what I mean? So you need to be in a place where you can actually have uh, an impact. An impact. So as a planning commissioner, you'll be able to have an impact. I hope so. Um, you know, I'll take it slow as an alternate. I'll, I'm going to learn and see what the, how the chemistry of the planning commission works now. And when I am involved as an alternate, when I'm needed, uh, I won't be shy about, um, my point of view, <laughs> right. my point of view, but I'll right. be, but I will be diplomatic, you know. Yeah, well, one thing on your application, <laughs> you put in here that um, I'm generally unafraid to bluntly yet kindly speak the truth uh -huh. in even very difficult situations and vote for correct and appropriate decisions. So I guess my question then would be, as a planning commissioner, what do you, I mean, you look at Kaysville, we're built out mostly. We've only got maybe three parcels of land that are undeveloped but privately owned. Yeah. So the city really can't do anything about any of those yeah. properties. Just like Holiday. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you like to see happen in Kaysville in terms of urban planning as a planning commissioner? Well, I'll be blunt yeah. and try to be nice. Yeah. Um, you know, when when I first got married, uh, we would, and my family, my mother, my in-laws are from Roy. So I was living in Provo going to school and we would drive back and forth yeah. for years and years and years from Provo to Roy. And um, every time we would cross the Shepherd Lane area, I would point out to that area west of the interstate, which was empty mm -hmm. in the 80s and 90s. There was nothing out there. Right. There's a few houses on Shepherd Lane. Right. And I would say to my wife and then as my, you know, and my kids were starting to grow up, I'd say, you know, that's, that would really be a good spot. Look at that. There's, there's nothing there. And look at the proximity to things. And, and, you know, as a planner, I looked and kind of went, I think that's an area of opportunity. So they eventually had the home show out there in like 95 mm -hmm. or 96 out at the Bear Creek area. Yes, I remember that. Actually. And I, I went to the home show with my wife and then we noticed on, we drove the back roads back to get on the freeway and we noticed a sign saying lots for sale. And uh, it was off Shepherd Lane. There was nothing there. And we said, wow, we've always said so. We, we bought the lot and we built a home. Awesome. And once we moved in, you know, we, 
we loved that country living, that half mm-hmm. acre living. Yeah, and, yeah, that's nice. You know, we could see the Ferris wheel at night at Lagoon and the fireworks, and we could nice look out to the thing. lake and see storms coming across the lake, and we loved that. But as a planner, you know, I called Farmington, I called Kaysville, and I said, hey, what are the future plans? What's going to happen out there? And it was a lot of, well, we're not sure. So my wife and I, we just jumped in and built our home anyway. But what happened over the years was that we noticed, you know, all the development was the same on the west side. Mm -hmm. And so from an urban planning perspective, I think Kaysville um, was always behind a little bit because they didn't hire, they didn't have a planner. A lot of cities had planners, Kaysville didn't. And when I, I was working for Centerville for during that time period, and I would call to Kaysville to see what was going on, and and what I got was, you know, basically uh, we're just letting we're gonna kind of wait and see. Yeah, whatever. we're just gonna kind of do our thing, and they didn't, you know. And I saw it was frustrated me because I thought, you know, Kaysville's growing, mm-hmm. and they ought to have a formal planner, they ought to have a trained planner, and they, and they really didn't until just recently. So from my perspective as a resident, not necessarily as a planner, I. I would look at certain things, certain developments, and go, that's the wrong development in the wrong place. And we're letting Main Street kind of go downhill. We really yeah. ought to be looking at mixed use. Yeah. Um, and not to be critical, but I think there were some opportunities that were really missed. Right, right. So, and in hindsight, of course, it's easy it's for us to do that. But you're yeah. right. And so as Kaysville continued, so recently we passed a mixed use ordinance. So I'm excited about that yeah. because I feel like it gives developers and property owners some options. We want to make sure that it's the right type of ordinance. We crafted it after other cities that we've seen, but Melinda has thankfully reviewed it and she said, hey, we need to tweak this a little bit. So let's work on some language and make sure that we are clear in what we want to have happen. And so that's been fantastic. She's only been with us, I think, three and a half weeks. Yeah. And she's jumped right in. So I'd like to see some more mixed use. you know, Kaysville doesn't want to be high density. I keep telling people, look, we don't have enough land left to become high density, even if we want it to be, which we don't. But we do need to have a little bit more variety, I think. So I guess where would you think, as an urban planner, variety, different housing options would be appropriate in Kaysville? Um, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, no, no. I'm glad you are because, just, you know, again, I, I, I won't pull any punches. Okay. You know, I, I think Kaysville has ample opportunity to build in yeah. uh, additional density. It, but it needs to be in the right place. Exactly. I mean, exactly. obviously, if you went out to uh, most of the west side and took an acre and put, you know, 30 apartments on it, right. it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Not that those people shouldn't have a pl- appropriate place to live, but I think what's important is that you you try to look for um, you try to look for appropriate opportunities. And really, you know, um, one of the things that I think you could do is in the downtown area, mm-hmm. um, you really need to be looking to, for infill opportunities. And that's what Holiday did. And okay. uh, you know, not saying everything that Holiday did was great, but if you look at what Holiday has done, they have taken their downtown mixed use area. And they have allowed for appropriate densities. And what you'll get is when you get enough people, when you get enough of a, um, what do you call it, a critical mass, okay. uh, you, get a, you get a synergy between the businesses and the residents. And so I really think our downtown area should be looking for walkability, right, for o- opportunities for people where they can just walk out their front door and within several minutes they can go to the store, they can go to entertainment. 
they can go to the park, they can go for a walk, they can ride their bike safely. And that's one thing that Holiday's done very successfully. We've incorporated walking and biking and recreation in the downtown area with density so that those businesses are supported by people who walk there, not who necessarily have to drive there. In fact, you want to minimize driving in those areas. They already have a lot of Well, how do you do that in a built-out area, just as... As homes come up for sale, they can be rezoned? Yes. Is that how you do it? Just yes, you can create districts. Okay. So you can take an area and you can zone that area for mixed use. That's what Holiday did. They took, okay. they created a downtown area that has has and had a lot of single-family homes. But a lot of those single-family homes were on fairly large lots. And so what you had was you had a, you had a single-family home that now actually is out of place. Because as you're building two and three story development, that single family home is an impediment Mm -hmm. for the synergy, the energy that you need to populate the street and the parks and the playground and the plaza. And so you have to start, you have to invert your brain and go, well, wait a second. Now that makes no sense. If they want to stay, that's fine. But if they want to sell, you need to allow that to densify. But it needs to be done in a proper way that looks great, that feels good. So how do you do that? Is that through form-based code or? Yeah, it's through through, through architectural Archi- guidelines architectural and requirements. Guidelines. Okay. Yeah, one of the things that Holiday did really well, and I, I've spoken to Melinda about this mm-hmm. uh, and you a little bit, I think when I was interviewed, is that um, how things look is so critical. True, I agree. Um, and so Holiday has a really nice, fairly structured uh design palette. It tells you what you can do. It has to look a certain way. And if it doesn't look a certain way, it's not allowed. And so they have actually a design review board that reviews development as it comes in. And does it follow our architectural guidelines or not? And if it doesn't, you massage it and you work it. And then the planning commission says yes. Interesting. Another thing that Holiday did really well was that they invested in their downtown. They created an RDA. Which we're, we, yeah, we're expanding our RDA area yep. right now. And they purchased properties. Oh, the city did. Yeah, the city purchased an old elementary school, and instead of tearing it down, they refurbished it and created a new city hall out of the old elementary, which has been an absolute gem for the community because they kept the architecture and then on the inside they went old school oh really they did the stenciled lettering on the glass and they did beautiful moldings and woodwork inside so that when people who went to school there come back and they still recognize it that's neat yeah as a school and one of the things they did was they actually kept the boys and girls metal oh really on the on the door it's the old metal. This is boys and girls oh, in the in the old font. Oh, that's great. They, and then they hung pictures like like Kaysville used to have in their city hall. We're putting them back up. The old the old tent. Yes, uh-huh. and so it creates this sense of yeah, this heritage. Our heritage and our, you know old pictures from the 1890s or oh, 1930s. It's those kinds of things that really speak volumes to your population that say who we are and our sense of place is critical. Okay, I really so, like that. Who we are and our sense of place. That, that makes sense. Yeah, that's probably been one of the hallmarks of, of my experience that I'll try to bring is is a sense of place. Do we have a real sense of place in Kaysville? How can we enhance that? Well, and there's so many great people that live in Kaysville. And, you know, I've been asking, why do we live here? Why do you live here? And that's why we like our heritage. Mm-hmm. We like who we are. We like the fact that we are mostly single family homes. We yeah. like that. And that's great. Yeah. But understanding that growth was, is going to happen, I just want to make sure that we plan it appropriately. Yeah. And that we allow for it so that it can naturally happen. And yeah. It doesn't come 
you yeah. know. And, and that's always the concern of, of elected officials. And it, and it should be. But I think it also should be with an eye of, uh, toward, you know, we have to look past the end of our nose and we have to look out 10, 20, 30 years and go, okay, what has changed in the last 10, 20, 30 years? That's true. So are we going to allow that to happen? Are we going to make changes now that will allow what needs to naturally occur? That's true. And that's the hard part. That's that, the hard part. That is the hard part because we do just look for tomorrow or tonight's meeting or. Yeah, we yeah, do. Yeah, that's true. Well, we kind of had a discussion a little bit earlier about districts. Voting districts, and as we're talking about that, um, I, I mean, some people want to do it, some people don't want to do it. I was in favor of not doing it just because I feel the whole city needs to be represented. But as we're talking about planning, does it weigh into that? Does it influence the ability to plan at all? It, yeah, it really does. Um, you know, in holiday, you know, you have to district based on population. Okay. And so what you get is there are some council members or some council districts, if you have them, that will have a, a certain type of land use. And it requires that council member to be familiar with the land use in their area. And so it makes them sensitive to propose changes. Um, we had a council member who was on for 12 years, absolutely wonderful council member, uh, Sabrina Peterson. And she... Um, originally from California, so she brought a different perspective, lived here, has lived here most of her adult life. Uh, but her district happened to have both the village and the old Cottonwood Mall in her in her oh, area okay. and a lot of high density. And so she was be she was very attuned to those changes that wanted to continue that way. So she would always provide kind of a balancing voice to say, yes, this is an area where we should do more of that. But since we already have some, yeah. how about the other districts look at doing some of that in their area where it's appropriate. And so that I think forming a, a district perspective can be very important that way because it can say to the other council members, right. we need to think about our who we're really representing. That's and right. in your district, maybe that works for you, but it may not work for the, our district or for the city. Okay. So I think there are some advantages to having that. That is interesting because, you know, in East Case, well, so Caseville is divided between by I-15, so we have West Caseville, East Caseville. Um, years ago, as you know, West Caseville was designed to be a half acre, you know, one yep. house per half acre. Um, and East Caseville was more dense because it was already set up that way. Right. And so when we look at redevelopment and new higher density projects, which in Caseville is really not that dense, but higher than, you know, two units per acre, it, it, they tend to be on the east side. Of course. And, and people over in those areas are annoyed. You know, yep. and they say, let's spread it a little bit. Why, yep. are, you, why are you putting it all here? And so, yep. I mean, so I've thought about that because, of course, they want to be represented. But at the same time, the sewer district had planned for two units per acre on the west side. Yep. So that was the build out. Yep. So that's a hard conversation to have it as is. we're trying to educate people about why things are the way they are. Not that they can't change. They can. It would just sure. cost money. So. Yeah. And, you, you know, um, from an urban planning perspective, mm -hmm. You know, I look at that and I go, that was short-sighted. Yes. It was short-sighted that the whole west side was a half acre. So years ago, a former planning commissioner um, asked me to weigh in on the general plan update oh, a few okay. years ago. And I said, well, you know, on Kaysville's general plan, because I, as being a planner, I've always had planning commission city council every week. So I wasn't able to attend as many of Kaysville, as of Kaysville's meetings as I would have liked. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just, you know, you're just plain tired. Yeah, exactly. And so I didn't want to be hypocrite by, you know, shooting at things that were going on in Kaysville. But I will say that, you know, the general dismay I had about a half 
acre minimum on the west side. I expressed that in some written comments to that planning commissioner. But I, I was hesitant to give all of my input because I thought my experience with Kaysville as a resident mm -hmm. was not very positive going to planning commission and council. Oh, okay. So when I would go, which was not very often, I really felt like the developer and, had, you know, it, the minds were already made up and it didn't matter what I said. Mm -hmm. And as staff for holiday, I know how critical it is to try to fight the perception that as staff and as planning commission that you haven't already made up your mind. Exactly. You need to have that open mind and you need to listen. And I went several times, including for developments that were right next door to me. And I was in the vast minority compared to my neighbors. My neighbors, who I all know very well, mm -hmm. would be upset at me because they'd say, why are you? And I'd say, well, because I'm, I'm a city planner and I have a different perspective. Right. I was, I was not opposed to a, a subdivision that was going in behind me, the Quail Crossing subdivision. I was never opposed to that. I was just opposed to the way it was laid out. Yeah. And I said, this is very inefficient. It makes no sense. Yeah. And I gave a lot of good urban planning input. And they just went, thank you, goodbye. goodbye and, and the developer got up and said, we don't want to change things. And I went, this is, this is ridiculous. You have right. an experienced planner here telling you how you can make it better. Exactly. And you're disregarding it. So that's one of the reasons I want to serve was okay. I can give some input to say, that makes no sense. That's outdated. Really should, we ought to think about this way. And maybe help that's staff true. with that, you know, proposing changes too. Well, and I think that would be very good because I mean, we've had excellent staff that I've worked with over the years. It's it's a, it's a hard position, I think, from staff because you're not the legislative body, but yet you're the professionals. Yes. And and you're the ones doing this every day, and you've got you've got the training and the education yep. and the the foresight and the planning, and and so it's hard because you come across city council members who are new or up for election or, or whatever they are, um, listening to their neighbors. Yeah thinking, okay, well, we don't want this, or we do want this, and it doesn't always make sense. So that's what I'm really hoping is that as a planning commissioner, you'll be able to continue educating everybody. Yep. I know we have Wilf Summercorn. I mean, we've got great planning commissioners, but Wilf especially. And he's, and he's he a is. legend, and rightfully so. He is, because he sits up there. Well, in, just for Kaysville, I worked with him on planning commission, and he'll explain, yeah. this is what happens. This is why it's a good idea. This is what happens when it's not right. taken into consideration. Yeah. And this is what can go badly. Yeah. Wilf, Wilf and I, by the way, he, he fantastic. Wilf helped me get back into the profession after I left for a short period oh, of time. Good. And so Wilf is a dear colleague, but he's also a good friend. And um, years ago, he said, we ought to get you on the Kaysville Planning Commission someday. And I good. said, yeah. And I said, yeah, I'd love to be on the Planning Commissioner Council someday. So, good. Oh, he's just, he's a but, but only, only if you can really make a difference. I mean, I, I, well, I won't be one to just show up and go, well, how are you voting? All I right. really appreciate that, too, because I, I know, well, as not being involved in the city, you kind of look at the city and go, oh, yeah, it's a little club and they do what they want. Well, hopefully that people are realizing that's not the case. Yeah. We're really trying hard to change that by being as transparent as possible, by inviting as many people to the table to participate who yeah. are willing to spend the time to do it. And like you said, we shouldn't come to the table with a decision already made. We really should be open, yeah. open minded, open to suggestions, open to learning and open to the feedback, but also accepting the good direction and feedback we get. It's a delicate balance. It's a delicate balance, yeah. Um, when I was department head in, in Holiday, I, I had several planners, uh, code enforcement officer. You know, it was a small department, about six of us. But when I first got there, I inherited some, some really good planners. But one of the things that was bad, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my philosophy as a planner, right. was they would say, well, 
Paul, we've always done things this way. And that just made me livid because I would say, okay, you know, we are not, <laughs> that is not going to be our, our mantra going forward. Good. Our philosophy going forward is going to be, how can we do this better? How can we do this better? And what is the right way and the best way to do things, not the way we've always done it? So we immediately looked to retool everything we were doing, our ordinances, the way we dealt with people when they came to the counter or in public. And our, our internal department philosophy became, how do we get to yes? That's fantastic. So when people would come to the counter, they would often come with a little stress and tension because they, they believed a lot of them were going to be told no, that it was all going to be about, oh, this is all going to be about red tape. Exactly. It's all going to be about being told no. It's going to be expensive, time-consuming. And there's only some things you could control. But as staff, one thing we could control was our attitude toward the public. So true. Which was, if you're coming to me, there is a reason you're here. And here's the bottom line in all of it. And that is, a lot of our residents may only come to City Hall once in their entire life. It's true. They may never come. There are people who've lived in Kaysville who've never been to City Hall in their life true. and never will. But when they do come, right. it ought to be a good experience. Absolutely. It ought to be one that if you're told no, at least they understood why. And so, you know, that, that's the way I wanted to do things was that if any person came in from holiday, a resident, and had a concern, you sit them down, I bring them into my office, you talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, you make it a friendly, even if it has to be a no. But the main thing that we did was we looked for ways to guide people through the system so that they could get to yes, if That's possible. Fantastic. So that, as a planning commissioner, I hope that when the public comes out, if they're not hearing what they want to hear and the boat doesn't go their way, at least they understood why. That's, so that that's part of the reason I want to be on the planning commission. That's fantastic. I really appreciate that. That's one of the reasons I wanted to run for mayor. Well, city council and mayor get involved is because I wanted people to feel better about the process. Yes. And be able to express, you know, how things happen or explain how things happen and how do we get to yes and how do we make people feel respected in the process? Yes. Because it's intimidating it to can. show up even to city hall with a complaint. Yep. To make a phone call and especially going to council to a council meeting or planning commission meeting. That's scary for people. Yeah. It was for me, even as a planner, even as a resident. I was scared. I'm getting up and I was yeah. like, well, I do this for a living. How come <laughs> right. I'm nervous talking to my own council and planning exactly. commission? Exactly. When your neighbors are there and they might not agree. And so yeah. it is hard to stand up and it's hard to be brave. And I appreciate the fact that people are willing to do that. And so, and I'm really excited that you're willing to be on planning commission. Yeah. So thank you for that. And uh, it's all about good. It's all about good government. It, it is true. Good governance is. People, you know, this is a fact. The bigger, the, the smaller the entity, governmental entity, the more trust there is in it. True. So True. the bigger the city, the bigger the county, the federal government, it's at that local level where right. people learn to trust their government. It's true. And it's where the, the ethics have to be absolutely at their highest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that comes just from everybody that works at City Hall to those that volunteer, to those that yeah. are appointed and those that are elected. And so yeah. I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much, Paul. It's well, been fun talking to you. Well, it's been great to be here. Thanks you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I look you. forward to serving on the Planning Commission. We're excited to have you. That's a wrap for this month. Thank you for joining us on Happy, Grateful, Blessed with Tammy Tran. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. By hitting subscribe, you can go from searching for stories that make you smile to directly receiving them. You'll get our recommendations for locally owned shops, restaurants, and entertainment delivered directly to your phone, computer, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
which means that you don't have to go searching. If you're from Kaysville or own a small business in Kaysville and would like to share your story on this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Contact us at tltran8 at gmail.com and we might just have you on the show. We'll see you next time.